0: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. With me, Shay Dixon, to break down plenty of news over the past week or so. And we're going to start with the big one. And that is the SEC going to a conference-only schedule, which means LSU is starting conference play and its season on September 26. Shay, it seemed for a while that the SEC was just going to roll through with college football season and just kind of try to make things happen like the LSU-Texas game and some of these non-conference games. But unfortunately, in the times we're living in right now, that was unable to happen. LSU going to kick off their season now on September 26. Big news uh, out of the SEC offices. What's kind of your main takeaway, I think, from all of this?
1: You know, I think that they wanted, no matter what, these universities wanted to be able to play football, um, first and foremost. They wanted, at minimum, to have to go uh, to what they're doing now, which is, you know, a conference-only slate, getting rid of uh, the non-conference games, which for LSU, one of them was Texas and and the other games against Nichols and UTSA and Rice, which aren't that desirable to watch or Um, for a lot of fans to go to maybe Nichols being that they had never faced off before but uh, point being they had the one marquee one and and they hope to keep it but now that's going to have to be rescheduled for down the line and to make the money they want and to continue um, tapping into their biggest source of revenue and as an athletics department which is football uh, for all of these FCC schools um, their I think bottom was okay well we can at least all play each other we'll add games um, we know that we can set up a testing model um, for COVID and and tracking uh, the health of everybody during the week, and then on game day, um, much better at uh, our host sites, our home schools, with just our schools that uh, we're we we'll, we are familiar working with, and and we can kind of be the governing body over uh, so everything will fall in line every game uh, with the same sort of procedures in place, and I think that's why all these conferences felt like okay. We can do a conference-only schedule, and, and we'll see what it means um, long-term for what does that mean for the college football playoffs. How do you get into the college football playoffs if some teams are playing more games than others, and not every conference is created equal. Um, let's just get to football, and, and I'm sure we can debate all that later. Um, but I will say the other point we have to debate, Billy, uh, and I think we'll find out an answer here this week, is if they're playing 10 games and we know that they're hope is to keep your current eight conference games. Who else is LSU playing? And uh, there's only a handful of options, but uh, I don't think that it puts LSU in, in such a bad spot as many people might think.
0: Right, and the thing about it, too, is, is you're, you're, you you're mentioned moving to 10 games. That's stacking up a pretty tough schedule, regardless of how it you know ends up playing out because the SEC – is the SEC, and I think many of these teams are going to have some of the toughest schedules in college football because of it, and especially with so many of the power five teams going to that conference-only schedule. Right now, the Big 12, I believe, is the only one that's left that hasn't officially made that move to conference-only, so when you look at who LSU could add to this schedule, uh, the 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 road to Atlanta, which is now i believe December 19th they moved back to the conference championship game It, it just gets even even tougher
1: yeah, I think that w- when you look at you know your current slate of of um what six SEC west opponents, all six of them, uh then you're playing South carolina, which is the rotating team this year in the division uh from the east and then as I said they play Florida every year. So you're going to add a couple of more from out of the East. And the buzz has been, and Brandon Marcello has been reporting on this for 24-7. We've seen it in a lot of other national outlets sort of echoing all the same sentiment coming out of the SEC is that, A, they want to keep these eight games or, you know, excuse me, the, yeah, the eight games that are already in place uh, for each team. But also one way they're leaning is just maybe a simple solution is take the next two teams that you're supposed to be playing on your schedule from the rotation of the East Division and put them on your schedule this year, that would be LSU at Kentucky and versus Tennessee. Now, Georgia would be in that mix, Missouri, Vanderbilt. My thinking is they played Vanderbilt last year. They played Georgia two times uh, in the past two years in Vandy and Georgia, uh, being the two SEC East teams that rotated in. And then Missouri, what, they played them in 2016. They're not up again till 2023 on the schedule. I guess if they're going to have to make some adjustments, Billy, of getting to 10 games is going to take adjusting some people's schedules from where games currently are. Maybe not all of them, uh, but certainly some of them. Maybe they stick them with the Missouri if it just isn't working out for other teams, but my guess is they're going to go to Kentucky and they'll get Jeremy Pruitt and them in Baton Rouge.
0: And for a team in, in Tennessee that is certainly uh, trending up, at least, and a lot of people think they are, that would be another quality addition to the, to the you know 2020 schedule. And then Kentucky as well, that's not an easy place to go and play. So, look, I think for SEC fans, too, you don't get some of these matchups as often as you might like. And just at least for this year, you get kind of the it all moved up. And then they'll go from there and figure out however else Uh, it it looks in terms of the future but you know that that ends up being a pretty salty schedule and I I think one people are going to be disappointed that LSU and Texas weren't able to play and if I kind of thought there was a chance that maybe they would go with the plus one option where they go conference and then a a plus one non-conference game and in that case I mean you could have seen the the LSU Texas game moved up to September 5th or you know some schools are, are even you know, playing on, on week zero now, so that could have been an option. But instead, we do get an SEC-only slate, and I think with the SEC, they do a good job of really controlling, uh, obviously, kind of their conference and their brand. and And I think that was probably a little bit more of the reasoning why they opted, you know, to not have that plus one game. But uh, for LSU, it means they're going to be going through workouts and and doing the walkthroughs that they've been doing uh, for the past you know couple weeks. And they do get that extended time with Tommy Moppet to maybe get their bodies a little bit in better condition for fall camp. And instead of having this, uh, you know, lightened off season, they do now have a full extra month, what it amounts to, uh, to prepare their bodies for fall camp, which we would assume would start late, late August or, uh, you know, sometime around that.
1: Yeah. I mean, even with the, the missing time from spring ball. I can't see him tacking all of this extra time onto what's normally allowed for fall camp, which is a few weeks or whatever it is in August. And I'm with you. I would think it would start in late August and lead up to kickoffs on September 26th or that last weekend of September um, is when the current SEC slate is set to begin. Uh, yeah. I don't think they're they're going to be out there in pads for more than a month, you know, more than a three or four weeks. So my guess is they're consistent doing more of this walkthrough stuff, football school, um, maybe being able to have a ball and doing, um, some simulated work, but, uh, no, I couldn't see him getting into that acclimation period and pads, uh, like you until the end of the month. Hey, look, I'll say this too. Um, everybody's on equal footing. So it makes this whole, uh, the idea of no spring ball and an extended fall camp in some degree certainly an odd summer. Um, everybody's kind of entering it on the same footing but I am excited. I think that, and this has already been talked about, that people are going to enjoy the product more. If they're able to pull this off, and not just the SEC, but the other conferences, and you're being able to watch these teams not play cupcakes, um, you know, quite often. Every week, somebody is usually playing a cupcake minus um, kind of that middle chunk of the season where everybody's in uh, conference play. Even at the end of the year, LSU is playing out of conference games in recent must-see TV each week and how many good games are on, uh, if they're able to pull this off, is going to go up. I also think, Billy, something that people haven't been talking about, and again, they're all on equal footing, but it's not a normal year. This SEC West-East, how much better it really is each than the other? And is there only a few top teams? And are teams like Kentucky and Tennessee bridging the gap? When you're not just playing your normal two teams from the other division for each team – but now you're playing at what four because they're going to add two more to each team that doubles it
0: you know as as we get closer to fall camp the position battles will certainly kind of start to pop up even more as we get into preseason predictions and preview mode and and two players I mean Jamal Pettigrew tight end senior was was expected to at least factor into that position he hit the transfer portal late last week or over the weekend I should say and and then Peter Parrish on Monday, who has been off the team for a while now, but he has officially hit the portal as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see maybe there's some more attrition over the next couple of weeks leading up to fall camp. Kind of gives some players some time to make some of those decisions that maybe they hadn't had time to uh, leading up to camp. But I was a little surprised by Jamal Pettigrew moving on, and, uh, but not surprised, obviously, that Peter Parrish uh, hit the portal as well.
1: Yeah, I was kind of I was pretty surprised by Pettigrew. I thought as a senior, um, this is sort of his time. I think he maybe you could say I'm I'm presuming I'm just guessing here, but you could say that yeah, probably by a handful of games in or mid year, if he's living up to expectations, which is he's one of the best tight end prospects. It's going to be a starter. So if you're already playing as a second tight end, how much are you playing And Maybe he wanted to go somewhere and just be the primary guy, which you would totally understand, but. Um, I thought he might you know he would be on the roster it caught me a little by surprise but in May um, also says that there are some positives about what Cole Taylor's done who is your forgotten man I mean he is the guy who uh, signed in the same class with Eric Gilbert uh, the five-star number one tight end highest ranked tight end in the history of 24-7 sports and he rolled early he's been there the whole time yeah I mean, and kind of didn't get into the you know bulk of his workouts until the summer but Cole Taylor is a big kid out of Colorado, and and maybe we'll see both those guys playing next year. And and like you said, with uh, Peter Parrish, he'd been off the team since March. They've been pretty set on the three quarterbacks they have, and Brennan, and then two true freshmen in TJ Finley and Max Johnson. It'll be interesting to see who's kind of deemed the backup as uh, they get into football. And, and but not a separation of portal, and I think that's why they've got Nussmeyer and Walker Howard, and these guys already committed early for these next two years. Is uh, they know that with Brennan uh, entering his junior year that uh, they've got to rebuild this quarterback room.
0: And no question. And, and for Pettigrew, I mean, look, I think that, like, you said, it says a lot about Cole Taylor and what he's going to bring to the table as, as a big tight end. And uh, of course, I think Parrish had already been passed up by Max Johnson, at least just kind of from, you know, the, the, the reports that we're getting and TJ Finley's looked good too. Ed Ogeron kind of praised him in those, in those first couple of days when, when he was on OTB recently. So, Quarterback room is a little scary if Miles Brennan goes down, but uh, it was kind of expected that Parrish would move on, and now you saw Pettigrew do that at the tight end room. Uh, So Eric Gilbert and Cole Taylor, come on down and and go have yourself a a true freshman year at LSU and and see what you can do. And look at a player that's certainly moved up the depth chart right away is rookie quarterback Joe Burrow, who will start for the Cincinnati Bengals this season. We're going to talk a little bit about him, his fall camp coming up, His big payday, as well as kind of take a glance around the NFL. We'll do that on the other side of this break from the Go 24 7 podcast. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
1: With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call
0: 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Go 24-7 podcast. Thanks for listening. A quick reminder, guys, to leave us a rating, leave us a review, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with your friends. Feel free to leave us a question that you want us to cover in the review section. Uh, we'll do a mailbag episode at some point with fall camp getting rolling here soon. And also, take 50% off Go247 as we celebrate 10 years of 24-7 sports this month. That's 50% off annual subscriptions. So check that out. We'll be rolling out a ton of VIP content as uh, summer workouts continue, and then it'll roll into ball camp. And Shea, uh Joe Burrow arrived to sign his contract last week with the Cincinnati Bengals and get underway uh, in his career officially in Cincinnati. And uh, just reading what quarterbacks coach Dan pitcher had to say, he said it's, it's all ball now for Joe Burrow, which is really what they expected out of him. He's got his new house in Cincinnati. He's no longer living in his parents' basement. Uh, he's got his $23 million signing bonus hitting the bank account. Uh, life is good if you're Joe Burrow as he gets ready to prepare for his first season as a starter in the NFL albeit without preseason games.
1: Yeah, I mean, he got a great deal. I mean, geez, a fully guaranteed already getting um, that 20, what, plus million, 25 plus million uh, within two weeks of signing. So he'll be sad. He said he's what he's going to love, and he's uh, putting the Bengals' money in the bank at the moment. But uh, we also did a piece for the site on looking at uh, the 15 highest paid former LSU players in the NFL. If you're just going off single season, what they're making this year, what they're taking home, um, and just with his contract alone this year, which is uh, right over six and a half million uh, in terms of the cap hit, uh, he sits right outside the top ten. I think he's um, what nine or ten, or excuse me, ten or eleven on the list. Uh, right behind a thirty-eight-year-old Andrew Whitworth. Uh, Devin Whiteham got got himself a deal recently. Uh, Daniil Hunter's on that list, uh, not far ahead at eight and a half million. Uh, when he cuts his next deal, he'll be one of the top paid DNs in the NFL. Uh, And then we'll see what happens at the top, because over these next few years, um, way before Burrow signs, uh, whatever his second contract will be uh, down the line is uh, guys like Jamal Adams uh, and Tre'Davious White. uh, They'll all shoot way up the list. Uh, Lael Collins, Quan Alexander about to hit the the meat of their contracts. The, The sort of guys who have owned the list, which is the Pat Petersons and Jarvis and Odell's, Uh, In recent years are are now starting to get bucked up by some other guys and including uh, number five on the list right now, at least in terms of this year's cap hit over 10 million Debo Jones. So uh, what he got paid last summer, Billy, and uh, this is the year that uh, it starts to really pay off with how much he's bringing home uh, per season.
0: Yeah, and I, I just can't imagine what that Jamal Adams contract is going to be. He's going to play it out Mash. this year, which, it, it, yeah, bet on yourself if you're Jamal Adams. I mean, it's he's in a great situation now with Pete Carroll. Uh, obviously, the Legion of Boom, you know, I, I don't think it's that anymore. But, uh, I mean, he certainly adds and brings that back around uh, as one of the best safeties in the NFL, and he's going to get paid like it. I mean, it, it, what Eddie Jackson got over this offseason, Jamal Adams has to be licking his chops to – get a chance to negotiate with Seattle and an organization that has shown that they do pay some of their top players, top dollar. I mean, you know, not only Russell Wilson, but a lot of those defensive guys through the years that they've had, they've gotten those mega contracts and Jamal Adams. We'll see how he likes it on the West coast up in sleepy Seattle, but uh, he's playing with a guy that certainly has at Ogeron's, uh, you know, seal of approval in Pete Carroll. And uh, they gave up a, a, huge huge sum to get him and so I would have to imagine they're going to do everything they can to sign him while Burrow is just starting out on his career and he's gotten a lot of praise from teammates we've seen him working out on his own before that contract was signed with some of those teammates he's he's right next to uh one of one of his uh, neighbors is one of his old Ohio State teammates so they'll keep each other in line Uh, and you know things just seem to be trending for Joe Burrow to have a big rookie year.
1: I mean, Kyler Murray won like five or six games last year and took home awards. So I don't think the the bar is not extremely high for for a winner like Joe Burrow when you're going to a place like Cincinnati, who not only had the number one pick for a reason—that's something people always say—and is incredibly true. They were the worst team in football, Um, but they also just haven't been managed well in terms of the roster they put together, the draft picks they've made, and um, maybe we'll see this year. Burrow, T. uh, Higgins—they've brought in some talent. They've Uh, locked up some guys uh, that are on contracts that are good players so um, there's not much expectation right away so I think anything he delivers for them will bring excitement as he kind of um, settles into his you know his NFL career
0: yeah and a couple guys that were off to a little bit of a not a rocky start on their end but just life in today's day and age hitting them hard a little bit was Blake Ferguson and Justin Jefferson both were placed on the COVID-19 reserve list by their respective NFL teams. Blake Ferguson already off of that list. And a lot of these are like precautions. They don't necessarily have it, but they were you know, secondhand exposure or something like that. Uh, Danny Etling, uh, backup quarterback with the Atlanta Falcons, also hit the COVID uh, reserve list. Uh, Al Woods, who's now with the Jacksonville Jaguars, opted out of the 2020 season. So a couple of quick hits on the COVID front for LSU's NFL uh, players there and then finally obj who uh, of course is one of the league's more outspoken players said uh, he has no plans to opt out whatsoever uh, and he's ready to get back to work with jarvis landry and baker mayfield up there in cleveland so it could be a big year uh, for obj and jarvis as uh, they look to kind of right that ship in cleveland just like burrows trying to do in cincinnati
1: Yeah, and I don't know. I mean, we, we hear Odell right now. He's expressed concerns about the season, um, but added, you know, what, just a couple of weeks ago that he had no plans of, of opting out. There's a lot of guys who have already said they were going to sit out. And, um, you know, Beckham didn't just say he was entertaining it. He went in a pretty in-depth interview um, a couple of times now, uh, including one with the Wall Street Journal, where, uh, which ran on Monday, uh, where he talked about um, kind of how he's felt in recent years, and, and a lot of this seems more built-up frustration with not getting the type of uh, numbers or targets that a lot of the other uh, of the league's highest-paid receivers do get. Um, but also mentioned uh, the safety of the season and what it means for him. So uh, I'm curious to see as guys continue uh, to opt out or decide to play. Which, uh, if any of these LSU guys, and certainly in guys in as big of a role as Beckham, uh, decide either say, "Yep, yeah, I'm a full go," or "No." I'm out so far. It looks like everybody's in, uh, but boy, like you said, if, if the Browns are trying to make strides right now, they've got some new guys uh, added to the LSU roster on defense with Delpit and Phillips. They've had greedy Williams there. Uh, and certainly Jarvis and Odell uh, are the lifelines for Baker in the passing game. So they're riding, they're riding a lot on, on the hopes of LSU football. And, and I think for LSU fans, they would like to
0: see them have some sort of success. Yeah, no doubt. It, it'd be nice at least uh, just to see the Browns succeed a little bit at some point, especially after all the hype with uh, Baker and and just Jarvis and OBJ and just all those guys, Miles Garrett, uh, them put together something, but they've been cycling through uh, coaches plenty. Uh, Shady, we cycle through the news pretty quickly on this one. I uh, hope you had a, a great weekend, a little relaxing one as we kick off August now, uh, but it's going to be a little bit longer until we're back in fall camp in Baton Rouge. Uh, as they move things back, but uh, we'll be covering it. We'll have everybody, uh, you know, up to date on Go Twenty Four Seven, and we'll keep things rolling.
1: Absolutely, and yeah, check back with us on. Gosh, twice this month, Billy. August tenth for Corey Collier's announcement, a defensive back the Tigers are after, uh, and then at the end of the month, August twenty eighth, when uh, when Nathaniel Wiggins, out of Atlanta, top one hundred DB, announces his decision. LSU's in it for both. We'll certainly chat about them on a podcast coming up, but um, tons of recruiting buzz, at least to hold us over until fall camp.
0: So, what we do. We keep it going and uh, appreciate everybody for listening. But for now, we're going to wrap up this edition of the podcast. Qu- another quick reminder, leave us a rating, leave us a review. Let us know what you want to see on the pod. Hope everybody has a safe week and thanks for listening.